This is iFanboy Media Explode episode. Is it five? <laughs> yes. How does a ragtag volunteer army in need of a shower somehow defeat a global superpower? How do we emerge victorious from the quagmire? Leave the battlefield waving Betsy Ross's flag higher? Yo, turns out we have a secret weapon, an immigrant. You know and love who's unafraid to step in. He's constantly confusing, confounding the British henchmen. Everyone give it up for America's favorite fighting Frenchman! Hello, welcome to my fanboy Media Explode, episode 5. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is my partner, Josh Flanagan. Uh, hello. This is our other partner, Ron Richards. Hello. We're this is a media explode show. This is the show unlocked by our patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy who uh, wanted to, I guess, hear us talk about media other than comics. We do this once a month. It's fun. It's a, it's a whole suite of shows we have going over there. Because as we've said, we're more than just comic books. We're humans who have other interests. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> so we've been starting off all these shows talking about what we've been watching since the last time we talked because, again, as we're all in this strange world... There's not much to do but watch TV. Can't go to movies. I guess there's music we it's, could talk about, but no one wants to hear it's that. It's not even, and I hate to say this, not a great time for podcasts. Yeah, they're yeah. all. Everyone's on like Zoom, and it sounds well, shitty. You're not. Well, yeah, and you're not. Uh, yeah, no, that's awful. I can't even. That's that's my big problem. <laughs> it's like I can get a mic that sounds good at home, then you can too. <laughs> um, so let's start off, Ron. What have you watched the last since we last talked? Why do I always have to start? I started last time. Josh, what have you watched since we last talked? All right, well, I wanted to talk about... It's a it's a major new release that would have been in movie theaters, but instead it came to Ooh. Apple TV+. Plus, which This is I, our theme, actually. This this is our theme, is that I think we're all talking yes. about major new releases. So, cool. Okay, major sorry. Carry on, releases. Josh. It's a major right. award. I want to talk about Greyhound, the Tom Hanks uh, starring, produced, and written film... That was supposed to go into theaters. One of those big, uh, you know, action... It was a Sony picture. Yep, World War II movie. And uh, that didn't work out, so they just put it on Apple TV+, Plus because presumably they produced it and paid for it, and they were supposed to get it anyway after that. That's Is that true? Connor, you know... No, they just, they just bought it. Oh, they just bought it. That's yeah. nice of them. Yeah. They, got, they, got, they got that Apple money over there. <laughs> they got the iMac money. They want content. Um, Everyone's desperate, for, like we talked about. You know, content. We're, we're going to hit a point where there's no new shows, because... They're going to run out of what they shot, so they all need new content, so they're buying up, you know, we're, we're going to talk about three films here that were that were meant for theaters, but got bought by streaming services because they need content. Content. That's crazy. Content. So, regardless of any of that, uh, a while back, Connor showed us the trailer, and, uh, you know, in terms of things that look like they're right up my alley, a movie, not so much starring, but even a war movie produced by Tom Hanks is good enough already. It basically, it's about a destroyer who is escorting convoys across the Atlantic in 1942, so earlier part of the war. Um, This happened all the time. You know, this was a very routine thing, but there's a bit where they go out of air cover range, uh, sort of a black hole, like a pit in the middle of the ocean where they don't have any air cover because there's nowhere for the planes to take off or leave from, and they're on their own. And, of course, that is the point that they are hunted by German submarines trying to sink any boat they can. And it's a a compact little movie. I want to say it's an hour 18. It's like an hour twenty. Yeah, it's real short. Yeah, it's it. I call it lean. I don't want to, short sounds like a negative. It's very it's, lean. Every, said, short sounds less said, less than. I said yeah. I said yeah. compact. That's right. the word I yeah. used. Whenever I want to talk about a tense movie, mm-hmm. um, well, uncut gems just blew everything out of that. But it's not like that. Oh. 
There's ne- so there's good. Never been so- and, and never will be another movie like Uncut Gems. I like- still, I still love. I love now. Even now, months later, every now and then, someone on my social feed who just watched it on Netflix or whatever it's on now, like, does it. They're like, that wasn't any good. Why did everyone talk about this? I hated that movie. I'm like, oh, you needed to see it in the theater. And you, you see, this is why oh, yeah. I hope movie theaters reopen because I don't think that Absolutely. the Uncut Gems experience can be replicated at home on the couch. Oh, well, so that tense. Being said, Loved it. I I watched Greyhound, yep. which was very tense. I watched it at home on the couch. And it really is, it's, uh, you know, it's all sort of very compact and you live this experience and you're only on the ship. You don't really see what's going on. There's a, there's a sub hunting them. There's like six subs hunting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think there was three. Doesn't matter. But, you, you know, you're on the ship. You're watching this stuff happen. It is... It's it's very tunnel vision. You know, you don't see uh, you don't see you don't you don't go on any other ships. You're not on the sub. You don't get all those point of views. It's just this crew. You know, using really, really not great technology, trying to do this impossible job. You know, and and knowing that they're going to keep doing it over and over again. And I really like things that respect a viewer. Meaning, like, I just don't have everything explained to me. You know, the the exposition isn't isn't super blatant and in my face really good actors you know if you if you go back to band of brothers you can see that somebody at playtone knows how to cast guys who look like they are from this time in this area and that's definitely the case you know if you look behind tom hanks there's you know a bunch of really young you know kids and stuff uh, and then al capone is also working with him i like that part of it there's one scene where they're out on the bridge and they're waiting for his order and it just looks like five scared kids looking up yeah. at their dad it did a really good job of actually portraying the age that soldiers were you know it wasn't like a bunch mm-hmm. of 30 year old actors it looked like a bunch of you know early tw- 20s late teens which is what they were in world war Two. yeah no absolutely and you can see you know it, it it's not it, none of it was surprising because you know tom hanks had a very large part and you know some of the best you know certainly band of brothers is about the best thing i've ever seen on the war in terms of you know film motion picture even though it was a tv series and obviously they were saving private ryan and so you know, and he's done this over and over. He did from the Earth to the Moon, and they did the Pacific, and he just he cares about this stuff. And so, uh, basically, it was a great movie. If you like movies like that, I could go into all the details of it. My wife watched it with me. She's not like a war movie buff, and uh, you know, she was wrapped the entire time, just like I was. It's a really intense experience in sort of the good way. And then, what makes it better? I have to add this: is that Hanks X has been making some of the podcast rounds. So he showed up on the Conan podcast that I talked about last time we did one of these shows and it was it was delightful. It was like of I don't think I've ever, I well, no, I, I like m- even more of an extent than I think than I would have thought. I, I thought I really do like him a lot because I've never heard that kind of long form conversation. But then cherry on top, one of my favorite history podcasts is Hardcore History and he did an episode of that. And and this is a podcast I've been listening to for years. It's a very popular podcast, but still, it's it's niche. And and Hanks couldn't go, stop going on. He's like, "We love this show. The whole family. You're a, you're like a celebrity to us, you know." And then they talked about they talked about <laughs> which freaked the guy out. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and they t- but they talked about the war and history. And like Hanks knows what he's talking about. Like, oh no, know, yeah, he's he. Well, I would go as far to say he's a goddamn American treasure. I mean, if I didn't think so before, I do now. I mean, I did right. think so before. But what was great about the film was it's similar to 1917, and it's like it's the whole thing is they start yeah. on point A, they have to get to point B, and they have to survive in the middle. And as Josh said, it throws you in; it doesn't hold your hand. There's a lot of mm-hmm. naval terminology that's not explained. You have to figure out from context clues. 
I mean, I really, really liked it. The only thing I, I thought that kept me from really loving it was I thought that the climax needed to hit harder. I kept waiting for another climax because I thought we were waiting for a bigger moment to happen. But it didn't I come, see. which was fine. And I thought I thought it was terrific. I'm going to watch it again. I, it, it got me to sign up for Apple TV Plus, which I wasn't planning on doing ever. Mm-hmm. My question for both of you with this is that does Tom Hanks yell a lot, almost okay, the whole time? Great. But but the good Hanks yell. You know what I'm it talking about. It, I don't think I don't think you're going to get that. No. It wasn't that kind of party. No. He does yell a lot though. He does yell. Okay. Best looking pancakes I've ever seen uh, on film. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm talking right. about, Connor, is, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Is is that a euphemism? No, he's nope. um, he's he got to eat. <laughs> he didn't eat, the, he um, didn't eat them though. That was the sad part. But I do think the biggest attractor to this, and and I don't mean this in a way to troll Josh in any way, but like literally when we were talking about it, I had no idea this came out. Just none. I like didn't didn't see didn't see any marketing for that it. Like, may this, be and, your and, own and, thing because he's been on Colbert, he's been on all these podcasts. Well, yeah, I don't watch. Like, I don't watch. Like, I don't watch. He's that been stuff, doing yeah. the rounds of a re- right. regular movie promotion. Tour. But like. But 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 he was also on, like, it shows morning it, shows it, like he's been everywhere. It shows that the general yeah I don't watch the morning shows but the, it just shows the general you have a vague awareness of when movies open in theaters like through you know being in New York City there's billboards there's buses and all that you know that sort of stuff you know I mean it's interesting I'm I'm speaking of this more from a the new world we live in and marketing approaches and all that sort yes. of stuff but like if you guys didn't tell me that this was on Apple Apple TV Plus or whatever it's called I would I wouldn't have known I just I wouldn't have had no idea I didn't I think that- it didn't cro- didn't come across my feed I didn't see anyone talking about it like it didn't and and so it looks at how you connect with media I might have like now that Entertainment Weekly moved to a monthly issue I might have like if it's in the next issue I might have been like oh yeah that came out but like by no means did this what a did I have any awareness of it or did it feel like an event of any of a, a magnitude of a Hanks film coming out but that's but that's the- that's not the movie's fault. It's not Apple TV. No, no. I, I said that's no. Just, I said not not against yeah. the movie. That's the the, the state of the times. Uh, so I said yeah. I looked up on Rotten Tomatoes and I see that it has an eighty percent uh, certified fresh rating amongst that's critics, seventy percent amongst the audience. The consensus is the characters aren't as robust as its action sequences, but this fast paced World War II thriller benefits from its e- efficiently economical approach. That's accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's probably right. It's probably not for everybody, you know, in in the sense like it's definitely niche, right? Connor and I World are War definitely II. in in that tank. Well, it's a great action movie too. I mean, it's yes. not just a World War Two. You know, it's set in World War Two. It doesn't mean it's just for people. Like, it's a like my my wife watched it too and liked it too. Like it's yeah. like Uncut Gems. When it starts, it doesn't let up until the very end. You yeah. the entire time you're tense and you're that's in a, great in a ball. And, and to speak to Connor's point, and then we do need to move on. When you were talking about the ending, the way that I sort of framed it in my head was like. This is just a Tuesday. Right. You know, Wednesday yeah. is the next day. At the end of the movie, they're like, okay, great. Go over here. You know, start up again. Do, like that's, that's their life. And that, that would, you just, would you just then watch the movie from the beginning again? Right. Yeah. And then be like, that was the, Wednesday. Yeah. You would change the brightness <laughs> settings on your television <laughs> just to give yourself a different <laughs> sense of it. And you're like, eat the pancakes. You keep making the same mistake, Tom. So, Ron, like you said with Greyhound, I had to tell a lot of people about your pick. I think that's just the world yeah. we're living in. If you're not following whatever, you're not going to find out. So when I watched it, I was like, I, told, I was like, you guys got to watch this. Yeah, you guys knew about it already. People, other people didn't know about it. That's the same. Yeah, it's the same kind of issue. Well, I will say on Greyhound, just to punctuate, just to end Greyhound, yeah, I, I am planning on watching it this weekend. Uh, it will be the first thing I watch on Apple TV Plus, and so I look forward to it. So I'm glad that you guys. US like wins it. the war. I don't want to. Oh, whew, okay. But so, uh, yeah. So, so this is the all movie themed edition of Media Spoiled. What are we watching? 
as I, last week was progressing through the week, I just noticed more and more people in my social feed talking about Palm Springs, this movie Palm Springs. I'm like, you got to watch Palm Springs. Oh my God, Palm Springs is so good. It lives up to the hype. I knew nothing about the film. I didn't read anything. And no one even in my feed said, don't look up anything and, and just watch it. But for some reason, I said, you know, I turned to my wife. I'm like, you want to watch a movie tonight? And she's like, yeah, what is it about? I said, I don't know. Just everyone's been talking about it, so let's go. Let's check it out. To be fair, I th- I'm pretty sure I put the trailer into our Slack movie channel. Well, to months be fair, ago. I, I, I might have missed it in our Slack movie channel. <laughs> yeah, so, I might have missed it. I'm shooting about thirty percent on those. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> a little higher. But I might have missed this one. But so uh, this this was supposed to be in theaters, but it uh, yep. went directly to Hulu. And once again, I'm the Hulu poster boy for some reason. Look uh, at him! It's, it's the Hulu poster boy. <laughs> Um, it was it was directed by a guy named Max Barbaco and written by Andy Ciara, and it stars Andy Samberg, which you might recognize from Saturday Night Live fame. But the real star is the is the woman in it, Kristen Malati, and also J.K. Simmons has a small role as well as Peter Gallagher. And I wouldn't tell anyone about this the twist because people haven't seen it. No, the, well that's that's my big thing, and and we spent more time talking with Greyhound, and that's okay because I literally don't want to tell anyone about this film. I want you to turn on Hulu. And watch it the same way that I did, not knowing anything going into it, and just enjoy. Because I, I would say this was delightful. It was surprising. It was it was funny. It was touching. Yeah. Like it really hit a lot of buttons in a way that for this type of movie you wouldn't expect. So knowing nothing about it, everyone listening, Josh, I encourage you just to watch it, not knowing going anything into it, and just and, yeah, and discover it yourself. Glad. However, I got to say, in order to watch the movie that we're watching tonight, I had to get a one-week trial to Cinemax. So now so, I've... Cinemax all week? I don't think they have it anymore. I checked. <laughs> but what I did find out was that the second season of The Nick is on there. And I was like, oh, I have to watch that because there's no... I don't want to buy it. So when yep. I finish that, I will do your thing and then we're going to go back to our Americans run, which is what we're doing. I, I agree with you, Ron. I loved it. I thought Palm Springs was delightful is a great word. It's funny. It's charming. It's heartfelt. It's surprising. It takes a couple of unusual twists and turns. Yep. I thought Sandberg was great. He, I thought he showed a lot of range. Yeah. She is terrific. They're both terrific. She's great. She's What else was she in? Oh, she was, was she in the, that episode of Modern Love, I think? She was the mother in How I Met Your Mother, the, and she's on a lot of other... She was, on, she was on Fargo one season. I didn't see that yet. That's on my list, though. It was another one of those films where, like, Friday, put it on... It was a delightful. We would have seen it in the theaters. We would have gone to the movie theaters on a Friday, but instead we, we watched it on the couch, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. She was in she was in the 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 first episode of Modern Love, that Amazon series, uh, probably one of the best ones. Yeah, it was really really great. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a ninety three percent fresh and a ninety percent audience score. So that makes sense. This, yeah, makes sense. But uh, but Josh about a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want some reference. I just like reading numbers. But Josh, I strongly encourage you to check it out, and I want to hear what you think about it because it was it definitely the 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 first twenty minutes were like what is going on, and then still, and then you're, it you're talking way too much. No 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 no. But then and then it, about then a it, third wave through, someone dies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Once the aliens come, yeah. then that's a yeah. I did not see that happen. The aliens explain so. the zombies. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Palm, <laughs> so Palm Springs on Hulu. So Palm Springs is terrific. On Disney Plus, Ron, I yes. finally opened up Disney Plus again since the end of the Mandalorian. Told you. And watched Hamilton. Obviously, almost everyone who has Disney Plus watched Hamilton. Connor going with the deep cut in the. Well, streaming I think services. it's important. It's it's a cultural phenomenon. It's important to at least recognize 
I'm super bummed that I saw it this way. I, I loved it. It lived up to all the hype. Mm-hmm. I was floored by it. But I'm, you know, someone who sees a lot of Broadway shows when I go home to New York. You do? Yeah, oh, yeah. Every time I go home, I, I see a show. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Hades Town. Hades Town was Ron, the show did, of the year last year. Ron, did you yeah, know Hades. that? I did. Wow. Yeah, because Ron is in New York, so I tell him to go to shows. He you recommended like shows me. to go see. <laughs> you're not in New York. <laughs> well, I don't think I was, you're a theater I guy there either. For seven years, I don't think you're a musical guy. I couldn't afford it when I was there. Anyway, uh, super bummed I never saw it in, in the theaters. I tried. I was in all of the lotteries. I was in the lotteries here in LA. I entered it every day for months. Never got a ticket. I know people did win it, but I never saw it. I I gave up even trying. Like that was the one I, I wanted to, but uh, I was like, Man. I saw I saw it, but not original cast. That's the upside. Is that so? My the first time seeing it was with the original cast. I love David Diggs. The, the cast is terrific. David Diggs is the best. He's oh, yes, he's he so is. good. So on the one hand, I was disappointed not seeing it in person. On the other hand, I was happy to have seen it for the first time with the original cast. And, you know, it lives up to all the hype. Lin-Manuel Miranda is an incredible writer. I was really impressed amongst all the impressive things with the quality of the writing and the lyrics and how inventive they were. Not so much of a good of a singer or actor, but but we, very good writer. <laughs> we had that con. We had that conversation. But that's too. part of the charm. That's part of the charm, I think. It is. And then, <laughs> so I was fairly familiar with the soundtrack. I I heard you know listened to that a couple of years ago and and listened to most of it. And the, the only the really good thing about him in that is that you always knew who he was when he started. You were like, mm-hmm. that's Hamilton because his voice is. Very different. Not good. Yeah. The one thing that I came out of because like because I had listened to it and I'd heard the songs or whatever, I thought, well, when I watch this, maybe it won't be as good. And what I found out was that it's a lot more clear when you can see who's talking. <laughs> yes, there, there was like there, a there lot was one, more. There was one. It was funny because I and I saw it. it we were joking because we watched it over Fourth of July weekend, and we were joking that in order to replicate our theater experience, we needed to be up on the second floor, looking down onto the first floor, and have a large <laughs> obstruction in our way, right? Because, <laughs> but and and even seeing it in the theater, I didn't even watching it in the movie. I was like, oh, I get what's going on now. Like like it was when the yeah. uh, before the war happened, when the farmer protest was was reading his thing, and and Hamilton was going back to him. It made more sense seeing it in the video than even seeing. It in the theater, so uh, yeah, I, plus they, I remember, they speak so fast. I remember listening to it, going, "This is great." Must confuse the shit out of people. Yeah. Like if you think well, about like all the sixty-five-year-old people who could actually afford the tickets, sitting there, like, "What the hell?" Well, that well, it and that's all. It was, it was awesome, and we were also say, we made that point too as we were watching because we put the captions on, and I got to imagine that being able to turn the captions on can enhance the enjoyment for so many people who can't keep up with the speed, especially someone mm-hmm. like David who's going at like what sixteen words a second or something like that, like some crazy number. Oh, um, so good. Yeah, so it's so so good. What did you think? What did you think of the experience though? Like because it it like it wasn't like sitting in the audience. No, a lot of the shots were like on stage, right? It was it was from the front of it. It wasn't like. There was a couple behind. No, there were a couple from so behind many. and sides. It's just a couple. Yeah. And I had that yeah. thought. You don't get the oppressive nature of being in a theater where you clearly, if you're seeing this in the theater, your mind is completely blown and coming out of your ears. But what you do yeah. get in return is, as Josh said, you get close-ups. Yeah. yeah. You get facial expressions you're never going to see from the back of the theater. And I thought, I thought Lynn was really good. I think he's a good actor. In close-ups, he was really conveying. Is he a, as great a singer as Leslie Odom Jr.? Is? No. But no. he does what he needs to do, and I thought he was a great stage presence. Yeah, I will, I, I will agree there. Not being the best singer and jokingly saying not the best actor, there is a magnetism that you, you, when he's on stage, you can't not look at what he's doing. 
Yes, I right. Do which which if that has a lot to do with because you know by the time that I saw this and you know we all kind of knew who he was by the time you watched yeah. this. Though. I think he's naturally he's charismatic, at, you know, coming yep. out of his shoes. Like it's just that's just the way yeah. he, he. I mean, he was a multi, multiple Tony winner before this ever came out. That's true. We we, and we it, keep and me and my sister keep keep joking because every time he's on one of the morning shows, or whatever, my sister texts me and goes, "His neighbors must be like he's at the piano again." <laughs> 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 it was terrific. It's long, but it didn't feel long. So long. Oh, it fe- I felt it this time, though. I, I thought was it like, feel longer. I, Listening to the soundtrack felt a lot longer than watching it. After vaguely remembering the theater experience and then at the intermission going, there's an hour and a half left? Like, it was... <laughs> plus, it was a long day in kids. I don't know what <laughs> difference it makes to... Like, I, I know the history. Yep. And yeah. so, to me, like, the structure of... Pre-revolutionary war, post-revolutionary war works really well for me. Like I know the people, you know the characters involved. So the the other thing that's happening is I'm watching him going. You know he's a really good Washington. Washington's great. He was he's my so sleeper. Good. He was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Though, yeah, no, like he at first it does and then he does the Chris number Jackson, at the end, who played Devlin's assistant on the one of the last episodes of Oz. Anyway, um, <laughs> he actually encompassed what I think of as Washington yep. and Divi Diggs as Jefferson. I was like, are they actually? I mean, obviously, they actually paid attention to it, but like, they really pulled that stuff in as part of of who those people really were, because you know yeah. it was obviously based on the book by Ron Chernow. Yep. You know, I read the Washington Chernow book, so I, I know some of that. That that shit's that's dense text, which is shows in the play. It's funny because because I do like I do like there is a moment after the war. And you go through the affair and the scandal and stuff like that. And there's a moment where De- where Jefferson as David looks to the audience, and goes, "Can we get back to politics now?" <laughs> and like it's the right tension breaker. And like there's so many little little bits that that David Diggs throws out, that Lynn throws out, that and even some even Groff as the king, yep. you know. And like and and what's funny, Josh, I I, I th- actually thought of you because I was my dad watched it with us when we watched it for the time, and I and afterwards we were we were talking about talking about the music, and I remember way back when it was. You know, a couple of years ago when it was the Broadway sensation and there was all these specials and documentaries about it and hearing Lynn talk about the music and saying how, you know, the the music of the Revolutionary War was street and it was urban and it was hip hop. And he's like, so when he was thinking of what the song would the king would be, what what would the British music be? And he went to Britpop. Yeah. And it's just funny to hear what Lynn theater geek Manuel Miranda thinks Britpop sounds like because <laughs> and you do you hear a little you do, like, hear, you, you do hear a little Bowie in it, like a from what I read, the original guy who played the king sang it much more like Britpop, and Jonathan Groff changed the arrangement basically. Yeah, but he made it. He made his bit very memorable, regardless. Oh, he's yes, he's everyone's yes, sleeper he's hit. Yeah, I just yeah. love that you know, like Jefferson shows up and he's singing jazz. He doesn't realize yep. that America's moved on from jazz, so he's out of step with the with the role. I also didn't have any idea that people played multiple roles so the first time you see David Diggs and he's playing Lafayette I was very confused because I, yeah, I, I, actually, I actually like David better as I like his Lafayette better than his Jefferson because I just love the whole first half of it aspect of it the, the pre-war stuff I mean as you saw they and Mulligan becomes Madison yeah. and all that stuff yeah um, he was really awesome clever the whole thing's great I'm, what's funny is that Madison um, was this tiny little man <laughs> and that yeah. dude is the biggest and he's dude. enormous and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah but he didn't like he well, didn't so speak and that Madison didn't speak so to round us out though on Rotten Tomatoes. Hamilton has a 99% <laughs> rating and sure. a 91% audience score. So I feel like that's justified. <laughs> One of the things that helped me do was I've had a making of Hamilton documentary in my DVR for like two and a half years. So I finally was oh, able to that, watch. I know that one. It's, you're going to enjoy it. It's it I watch it. It was incredible. Uh, he, I can't yeah. believe how much 
they were shooting while they were making it, like behind the scenes yeah. stuff, even while he was writing it. Like it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a great yeah, documentary no, he, that, that traced the creative arc of the show, but then it also went into the historical part and it had the actors going to visit, you know, like Chris Jackson went to Mount Vernon and, you know, it, oh, wow. he had to come face to face with the slave quarters. It was a very, it was a very, very good documentary that PBS put yeah. out like two and a half years ago, and I can't oh, find it anywhere. Oh, it's on PBS? Yeah, I can't find it, it really. Anywhere. It was really, I remember we watched it. That's that's the one where Lynn is uh, sitting, he's saying, when he did, when he read the Chernow book, and and, yep. he, and and he's like, you know, this is this is Biggie, this is Tupac, this is my next show. And like we, we quoted that for like a year. They even had a photo of him reading the book. Like They had everything, yeah. everything yeah. from the very beginning. It was really, really good. Yeah. Connor, did you um, know, yeah. do you remember our, our old co-worker, Clara? Yeah. Her brother was in in the Heights, and and oh, Lindsay really? shot their engagement photos on the stage of In the Heights. Oh wow! So she was in there with that. So they mentioned us. Lindsay, don't you know about the shows? Yeah, I shot when I was in on the show. So I don't know if he ended up being in Hamilton or not. My favorite Hamilton bit is my, so my niece is a big theater nerd, and and my sister's always take was before all this taking her to Broadway, and they were going to see Matilda. And it was August 2015, I think. And it was before Hamilton opened at the Richard Rogers Theater. And they were standing out in line to get into the theater to see Matilda as they're putting up the Hamilton sign. And my sister literally said out loud, a musical about Alexander Hamilton? That'll never work. <laughs> so, fast forward five years later, it's her favorite show, her favorite song, and all this. All, yeah, so very, very funny. You know, it's funny because Disney was going to release it in the... It's Because it's, we're talking about how they moved it up to come out because yeah. of, you know, because of coronavirus and up on Disney+. Plus. I didn't realize it was going to come out in theaters in October 21. Yeah, they moved it up a year. Th- they were gonna, yeah, they were going to sit on it for a year and a half, which is crazy. So I'm glad they put it out. So before we move on to the main event of the show, we talked about the launch of HBO Max. Did either of you check out Peacock that launched this week? Did it launch? No. I totally yes. missed it. Yeah, it's I free. I saw oh, yeah. people talking about it, but that's about as much as I downloaded I it because it was free to check it out. And it's, you know, it's, it's NBC Universal's download, app. I'm going to download it right now. It has commercials, but they're saying they're maxing out at five minutes per hour. which And that's only for recent stuff, because I looked at older stuff, and they had only like one or two commercial breaks. That's not bad. But it has like the last 20 seasons of SNL, and it has like all of Columbo. It has all these random shows, but it has like their whole runs of them. It has a lot of, like, it's, it's they're, they're sort of focusing on TV and comedy, but it has like all the recent NBC stuff, you know. Cool. It has 30 Rock. It has all those shows. Yeah, I'll check it out. There's one glaring UI problem is that when you scrub through the timeline, you don't see what you're looking at. Like, it doesn't give you the little box to show where you are. So I was trying to find certain skits in SNL. And I was just sort of having to go at random. Oh, that's the worst. Ugh. They'll figure that out, though. Disney Plus had, had uh, little things like that where, like, you couldn't resume where you left off, and th- but then they added it that. over time. So, yeah. So let's move on to the main event. So we've had we've had... We've just decided, we've talked about TV in the beginning, and we've talked about movies in the second half, revisiting movies that we have either hadn't seen in a while, disagreed on, or some of us hadn't seen at all. This month, we're talking about Midnight Run, the 1988 film written by George Gallo, and directed by Martin Brest, starring Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, Yafet Kodo, John Ashton, Dennis Farina, Joe Pantoliano, and a bunch of great character actors. And the reason why we're talking about this film is that Josh had just watched it, and Ron revealed he'd never seen it. Is that what the- I had seen it, but I watched it recently. I had never seen it until recently, until last okay, night, let's, in fact. Let's, let's give a little bit of context for just, just so people know. This is a movie from 1988, which means it's two years before Goodfellas, which is going to be important to this conversation. Um, yep. It was directed by Martin Brest, who most people would know from directing Beverly Hills Cop movies and a bunch of other movies. Or the last film he directed, Jiggly. Oh, 
I think he's the master of 80s action comedies between this and Beverly Hills yeah. Cop. Like, clearly, I mean, that's his, his genre. Yep. He only directed, like, eight movies. He did Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run, Scent of a Woman. That was his big arc. I saw this in the theaters. I wow. 11-year-old Connor saw Midnight Run in the theaters, and it's it's been imprinted in my brain. This is one of my all-time favorite movies, by the way. This is, like, in my top 20 easily. Well, what's funny is that this is definitely one of those movies that both you guys and then also my wife, who also does not consume movies at the rate that we do, sucked air when I would say I've never seen it. Like, <gasps> how have you never seen it? Which cracks me up when people do that. It's very funny. It's one of her favorite movies it's, as well, too. And, at, and, and, and Nobody has done that to me in my life more than Ron. <laughs> Just, just, just it's turned in, it's it's turned into a bit though but um she was very excited for us to watch it and and was waiting the entire movie to get to her favorite moment which i'll reveal when we get into it but yeah i'd never seen it and i mean do you want me to explain why i've never seen it i want you to go ahead and and talk about also okay. i'm gonna i want to just I, give a spoiler warning there because we're gonna get okay, into yeah. spoilers and scenes and things so if you if you've never seen midnight run please pause the show you can rent it at various locations online there's a really shitty blu-ray transfer that's out the first ever blu-ray for the film i would also like to note that it came out in 1988 so spoiler warning you had enough time people i mean i'm sorry 32 <laughs> if, if you sign up for cinemax on amazon prime for a, a one-week trial you can for free you can yeah. watch it there too and by the way we, 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 we mentioned how it's starring Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin and the Avocado you didn't mention it's also got Joey Pants I did mention that but go ahead oh, did you oh then I missed it I love Joey Pants he, fought, so, he anyway. fought for the role and that character was supposed to be a big fat sweaty guy and they didn't want him oh, Joey Pants Eddie Moscone yeah yeah, no, so Midnight Run, uh, despite being a huge De Niro fan, as much as I love De Niro, I dislike Charles Grodin. Josh, you owe me five bucks. I do, I do. you're right. <laughs> Did you really bet? <laughs> I said, I bet you Charles Grodin is one of those random actors that Ron hates for no reason. But I said, <laughs> but he's in the Muppet movie, so we might have a chance. And then no. we're going to have to spend ten minutes talking about the Muppet movie, but... Well, no. first off, number one, he's not in the Muppet movie. He's in the Great Muppet Caper, which Whatever. is the which is the sequel to the <laughs> so, Muppet movie. So, so get it straight. Not be saying the title now. I'm just describing a thing. So so he's in the Great Muppet Caper, and he's the villain, and he plays a swarmy jewel thief who does is not very nice to the Muppets, and that imprinted a young Ron uh, in 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 1981, uh, where he played Nicky Holiday. Ever since The Great Muppet Caper, I've not been a Charles Grodin fan. I knew it. I knew it. Yep. Yeah, that was, I felt it, it in my bones. It was nice work. So yeah. the story of Midnight Run is that uh, Robert De Niro is an ex-cop bounty hunter out of Los Angeles. He's sick of the work. He doesn't. He's tired of getting shot at. And he's pulled in for one last score by his boss, Joey Pants, Eddie Moscone, who has put up the bond for one Jonathan Martukas, who is on the run for having stolen mob money, and he's jumped bail. And if he doesn't get back by Friday, Eddie Moscone loses four hundred thousand dollars and four hundred fifty. Four hundred fifty. Four hundred fifty. And his business. And so Robert De Niro has one week to find him and bring him back to L.A. because he finds him in New York, and it becomes a road comedy, buddy picture, action comedy as they try to get home as they take a plane and a bus and a car and another car and a truck and a freight train, all to get back to L.A. by midnight Friday. It's planes, trains, and automobiles, but mixed with an '80s buddy action comedy. Like right. It, it, right? They do all those things. I was like, "There's the plane, okay? There's oh, there's two cars. Oh, and there's the train. We're good. We got it. We made it. Those aren't pillows." <laughs> so, Ron, what? So, as someone who dislikes Charles Grodin, I've never seen this before. So, tell us what you thought. It was good. It was um, it was enjoyable. It's long. It's two over two hours. 
and so that got me. It's two hours and six minutes, so let's not go. Yeah, crazy. I know, but but a comedy like this, you I would expect to be less than two hours. But it's not but, a comedy; um, it's action comedy. Action comedy, right? No, but I thought it was good. I thought I thought you. It's definitely of the time, you know, like you, you knowing that it's of an eighties movie, it moves at a different pace, and and like I love the fact that they shot in McCarran Airport in Vegas, and they shot at LAX, yeah. and like it's all on location, like the 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 they yeah, shot money in back the. Then. Yeah, exactly. Or things were cheaper or whatever, you know, but you had to back then, too. I thought it is pretty darn close to prime De Niro. It is prime. 45 years old. It, yeah, I mean, like thin, that, you know, good, like really, really, like just really good De Niro. Just starting to get a little salt and pepper in his hair. Yeah, yeah. I looked at it. We were looking at it. We were watching that movie at a certain point. I turned to my wife and I go, he's actually good looking. Because <laughs> yes. I only see him yeah. as De Niro, and when he isn't doing his De Niro faces and his stuff, like, and I just saw a man, I was like, oh, he's a good looking dude. Like, it just. Yeah. And I, I will go as far as to say, and, and, and four year old Ron will get very mad at me, I enjoyed Groden. I thought Grodin he was. I, I, fantastic. I, he, was, he was really, really good. And it was. I mean, you, you throw logic out the window in these where, like, you know, in the span of four days, people crisscrossing the country and popping up in cities at the same time. Like there was, like there's no travel logistics in this movie no. that you can take seriously because while De Niro and Grodin are trying to get from New York to LA, these FBI agents are on their trail and are there within minutes of when they were there. And I was like, how did they get there so fast? But I, I it was enjoyable. I, I, I liked it. That said, I feel like over the years it has been it has been put on this pedestal of greatness that I don't know that I quite see, but I did enjoy it. I think the writing is incredibly sharp. I think the two leads are incredibly good together. Yeah, the studio originally wanted Robin Williams for the Marduka's part, oh. which totally would have changed the film. Groden's dry sense of humor really set him off against De Niro, which was you know, which was a nice contrast. I think it's a, a terrifically made movie. Groden in that was the thing that I had watched it relatively recently, like like a month or two ago, because I think it, our, our friend Gabe Hardman was saying it's one of his favorite movies. Yeah. I was like, I need to watch that again. And yeah. I like it more every time I see it, because when I first thought I was really young, and unlike Connor, who was a 50-year-old, 11-year-old, <laughs> I, you know, I, I took a little time to come into things like that. But watching how dry and how little just the way that Groden played okay so De Niro was like we said he was prime De Niro you could see like he's doing he was almost playing Jimmy in this I mean like there's a lot a of little bit there were mo- yeah, yeah. yeah there, there was the same you know sort of uh, it was a lot of the same kind of stuff it was about the same era intonation um, yeah and the, if you know expressions and gestures and all that stuff Groden comes along and he's got this such a strange portrayal where he was like detached from everything and back a little bit. It was very droll, you know, and, and like there's little bits where they would cut to them walking down the road and he goes, the potatoes, the, the Leonese potatoes, yeah. <laughs> have you, they do this thing and the onion, it's, oh, it's delicious. You should, we should, and, and it's like a minute of that. And I'm laughing. Like, like I was laughing my ass off when I was watching it last night because between De Niro doing De Niro things in this weird thing and then, and then Grodin just clamping it down. And, and Ron, you had mentioned a favorite part, and we can get to that, but I can tell you what, the thing that always sticks in my mind is my favorite part of the movie, and it's, it's a grunt. It's not even a sound. And they go into Red's bar, and he's trying, they're trying to get the 20s from the guy so they can have some cash, and there's a man on the, ba- on the bar stool next to him. He goes, who are you? He tells him, where are you from? You from here? Yeah. And he says something. And at one point, Groden, like, he's looking at him, and he just makes a little sound. He just goes, hmm. 
And (laughs) that killed me because it was doing so little. And it it was just like, it's it's great film acting. Honestly, if it was just the strength of those two leads, it's a super enjoyable film. The moment that, that that my wife was waiting for that that I, I do agree with was when they I forget where they are but they're on a uh, De Niro's calling Joey Pants on a payphone <laughs> and yelling at him and you know kind of you know they're arguing over over the whole thing and Grodin is standing right next to him and only hearing De Niro's side of the conversation <laughs> yeah. and De Niro's just yelling oh, at Joey Pants saying I don't care I don't care what happens I'm gonna kill this guy I'm gonna throw him in the river like he's saying all these horrible things he's gonna do yeah. to Grodin and he's on the phone and then he just he moves the phone receiver away from his mouth looks to Grodin. And just shakes his head. No, I'm not going to do that. Like, and in that, in that, like, in that De Niro kind of way, and it's that re- moment re- that just sums I it up. Wound like, that. Like, I it's re- a great bit of that. acting. Yes, it yeah. is. One hundred percent. What's funny for uh. for me that it was imprinted on me so young that like I'm constantly quoting this movie in my head all the time. Like I, really? I can't hear or read or see the word chorizo. And not immediately say Treso and eggs every time, and it happens a lot in Los Angeles. It's just it's, it's just in my brain. He wants those Treso and eggs. I I want them too. I want them as badly yeah. as he does, and that's constantly you know happening in my brain. It's very similar to Beverly Hills Cop, which is like it's really funny all the way through, and then for the last ten minutes he gets deadly serious, and that's the same sort of tone yeah. we get here. I think the final. The, the climax of the final. The climax yeah. in the airport is so well shot. The tension just keeps rising and rising and rising. You know, they play that gag with Marvin through the whole movie where he tells Marvin to look out, then he punches him. And they actually break the rule of threes. They do it four times. So that yeah. you're, you're not expecting it to come back. And then that's the one time, of course, Marvin doesn't believe him and it's actually happening. And there's this rising sense of tension. The, the, the mobsters are coming. Yeah. The, they they got to get the discs. And it's, it's just, as a kid, I remember in the theater just like curling up into a ball. But even as an adult, it's just so well constructed. It really is. that yeah. that. That plotting of like at the point when they have arrested them and De Niro is in the he's in the police station and all the FBI guys are there and Grodin has been captured and and like how the hell are they going to get out of this because even if you get the guy back there's two hours left and what they came up with was plausible travel time not. Withstanding, he would have had about twenty minutes to get to a police yeah. station, which he could have. Yeah, no. He could have gotten to a sh- sheriff station from LAX twenty minutes. At, yeah. It was funny because when he, when he gets when he gets out of the airport, he asks somebody what time it is. He goes eleven thirty five, and he's standing. I know exactly where he's standing, and he's like, "I would have made it." And I was like, "No, you wouldn't have." <laughs> yeah, he had to go to any sheriff station. He could have gone to the one near LAX in eleven. 11- 50 at night on a Friday, he could have made it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, it would have been tra- close. All that, close. That, that, re- that red-eye traffic, Connor, trying to get in, out of, in, in and out of LAX on a, at a nighttime is L- impossible. L- LA could screw you at any moment of the day at any time. I do have to point <laughs> something out. This is one of those movies, and we want to talk about a thing from the time. Everybody, Smoking. Everybody, that, that oh, I mean, there were a lot of moments. Non-stop. This, this doesn't happen anymore. But one thing, that, <laughs> there's a lot of that. Like I was like, if cell phones, this movie doesn't happen. Like, period. Like, at one point, you know, they come out of the train and there's 5,000 police, or no, it's the bus, and there was just police cars up and down the street, and then people start shooting. I was like, this is never, that's not going to happen. <laughs> they drop those guys in seconds. The thing I was going to mention, though, is uh, it, De Niro especially, but I think others, have the ability to do a one-handed quick punch that will knock anyone out instantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a yes. lot of that. <laughs> Like it Everyone point, had lead hands in this movie. He punches somebody in the car, and there wasn't even enough room to pull the hand back. It was just like a boop. 
and he, he knocked him out. And I was like, that would be really useful to have. And I thought that was a thing when I was a kid. The smoking man. Everyone is constantly smoking, Every- lighting a cigarette, looking for their cigarettes, smoking more cigarettes, angrily smoking. De Niro's angrily smoking the whole movie. It's They're all going to die of cancer. Groden is, is ahead of it. He's, he's yeah. the only guy who's like, you shouldn't do that. This That's is not- really unhealthy. Yeah. Why are you doing You know what's fascinating, by the way? How Did you guys look up how old they were? Well, the Nero's 45, I know that. The Nero's 45. Do you think Groden was younger or older? Older. Older. He older. is older. He was 53 in it, but he looked wow. great for 53. Because he wasn't smoking. Yeah. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, no, he's, um, he, was, he was an old, old he was an old st- yeah. time New York. Yeah. I mean, I still love, I love the, like, so the budget was $35 million and it made $81.6 million in the box office. <laughs> just a different world back then. Well, so I love Dennis Farina. At the time of this film, he was just <laughs> wrapping up shooting Crime Story, which was a, ahead of its time pre-peak tv but would have fit into peak tv michael mann post miami yeah. vice cop show that started off taking place in 1950s chicago they moved to 19 late 50s early 60s las vegas so at the time he was shooting a tv show in las vegas playing the good guy playing the cop role because he was a real life cop in chicago before becoming an actor hmm. and i love him i always i mean he sadly passed away a few years ago but every time i saw him in a film or tv show i thought he always was terrific he's a character actor he plays a character yeah, yeah. but well, he's really really good point, at that he's sitting in the uh like at this desk yelling at the phone i was like this is exactly the same thing as in snatch you could switch these scenes it's the <laughs> same. i'm coming to london just then that's the end of it it's He's great as the mob boss. I said he's got one move, and my wife is like, "Yeah, it's a real good move, though." And I was like, "Fair enough." <laughs> he's a character actor, you know. That's yeah, what totally he plays this yeah. guy, but it's full of great. Like Philip Baker Hall is, you know, he's oh. he's the lawyer for for the mob boss. Bookman. He's great. Bookman. Yep. <laughs> it's actually interesting if you look at the cast list. It's not that long. There aren't a ton of characters in the movie. I mean, you got a tight cast that they keep reusing. One of the lieutenant FBI guys was the dad of my so-called life. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. my wife found um, that out. Yep. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that one. Yeah. There was one point where they get off the plane. Oh yeah, they get off the plane in Vegas and they're just my wife just goes that's a there are a lot of cars. <laughs> like there were a lot of car cop cars yeah. in the scene. It was like, you know, in the, in this movie there was, there was several a, times. There's a lot of people with guns in the airport. <laughs> yeah. well, yes. smoke, smoking in the airport. I remember smoking the smoking section of the hermetically well, sealed plane. My favorite was when they go to Kennedy to, when he so you know De Niro finds Groden in New York City and they, they, he's going to take him back to L.A. and so he gets on a plane and they're getting to the airport and he says, "Listen, I I can't keep you in cuffs and I got to put my my gun in my bag and check it. So you better behave." And I'm like, "You could just put a gun in a bag and check it in 1988." And like, was, <laughs> I think you still can. Can you? Oh, yeah, that's not good. You got to tell good. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely don't want to not tell them. <laughs> I love the kid when he's making the ID in the plane. Like, it's just full of these little yeah. great moments. De Niro's good. He's not, he's not yet a parody of himself in, some, in certain ways. He's yeah. still, he's right. not doing his De Niro ticks quite yet. He's not, he's not there yet. He's still a young leading man type here. He did a laugh smile thing at one point. The, the, I think maybe the best acting of the whole movie. We're talking about a lot of things that are funny, but there's a bit where they're mad at each other. I think they're on the train. The, the boxcar in the bo- yeah, with the chicken. And, and, yeah, he starts talking about the chicken. And then when yep. De Niro breaks there, I was like, that was a really nice moment for him. But also, he made the same face uh, that Jimmy makes, Jimmy Conway makes in Goodfellas, like when he's gambling at the beginning. Like yeah, like yeah, the the the, 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 the upside down, the upside down smile kind of thing. Well, yeah. that's yeah. his um, face because that was a real moment. They the director yeah. told Grodin to, to do something that would make De Niro laugh, and so yeah. it was improv. Yeah, I, it was yeah. improv, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but I, but I, I mean, I, I thought I was like that was a, that was a really nice moment, and he and I, I think that's one of the things that's fun about Grodin, and I, you know, I don't know what was in the script versus what wasn't, but he had this really odd energy that contrasted with with De Niro, that was consistent the whole way through, and like you know, he was actually he's, you know, he's pretty straightforward. He's trying to be a good guy about stuff. He's just trying to be helpful. You know, and he wants to talk about potatoes, and then you know <laughs> that point where he busts out like his sense of humor. Like I thought, that was it was wonderful. That was really fun. Yeah, no, it was it was really good. I mean, it, it really it it it. I, I mean, I, I I get why people liked it. I don't think it was it, it doesn't eclipse as you know one of my favorite movies of all time or or anything like that. But it, it was definitely solid and and enjoyable in that eighties action comedy genre. So and you yeah, liked it more really than good. expected. What did you expect? Um, I, no, I tried to go. I, I, I didn't want to go in with, you know, you know, like incredulity. I, I didn't want to be like going in with a chip on my shoulder. Like I went in with an, I went in hoping to enjoy it and knowing how much you guys enjoy it and how much my wife enjoy it, definitely buoyed it. And I wanted to see where it went. At one point, like maybe ten minutes in, I turned to my wife and I like was trying to predict what was going to happen. I said, I'm going to stop talking now because uh, <laughs> I don't want to be that person. But uh, no, it was good. It was very good. I loved the little dramatic moments that you know it made the film better the scene where he'd go back to chicago and he sees his ex-wife and his daughter and he's just unable heartbreaking unable to you know interact with his daughter and i think she's terrific yeah she was when she comes out of the kitchen and she, she, she sees her dad there's like 15 emotions in her face she has hardly any dialogue she's playing it all in her face and she's she was incredible in that scene and it's almost like the jaws scene where you, you need that moment to slow down and stop the story and just get some character time with these people before you get to the next shootout and it was yeah. it's a great scene and he's sad the whole way through because he's still hung up on his ex-wife and here she is and she's got a nice house and a nice car and you know her husband's a captain you know he's royalty and i did think that the writing of this was well done in that de niro's character's story unfolds as the movie goes as it progresses yep. and you know and it's it's done in the context of him getting to know groden through their you know hate you know kind of you know through the through the situation that they're in and it, it really does make the end pay off and and to a certain degree having you know, it's it, there's definitely you know in the way it's it's almost wo- not like a Seinfeld episode, but it's woven together in that it's the same swirling mix of people that get tied in to one another with their histories and their past. You know, in terms of De Niro's relationship with Farina's character, and then what yep. Groden did to Farina's character. Like so, you know, you know Charles Groden played a accountant who found out he was, you know, managing the money of a mobster and so he stole it and gave it all to charity and that's what he's going to jail for and turns out that Farina is also the guy that was uh you know that ran De Niro out of Chicago for not being a crooked cop and you know and so like it all tie it all ties it in and gives some level of resolution to all their stories which so it was very well written and very well orchestrated and very well crafted in that you find out more about the character as the movie progresses and it just builds that relationship as the viewer you have to both of them I found myself by the end of the movie, you know, that scene in the airport when, yep. you know, at the at the phones, you know, like really feeling the warmth between Groden and De Niro and then like and, and the, the heaviness of that gesture of both their gestures, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it was, it was so the, that 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 is that is craft as far as I'm concerned. I also noticed a bunch of times, maybe for the first time, there was a lot of foreshadowing. I'm thinking of one episode. It was the potato. I think it was the potato scene where he's he said, oh, I've, I've got all the money. We can buy all the potatoes, Leonese we want. I yeah. mean, think he's just sort of deliriously hungry, but he actually does have all the money. They could buy, they could buy all the potatoes Leonese they want, but yeah, I don't that, think I, I ever a, noticed that onion before. onion in there. Delicious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just delicious. 
the performances are terrific. Even you know, Pantoliano is great as the as yes. the growing more and more unhinged bail bondsman who's going to lose everything if he doesn't have this happen. He does end up losing everything. Um, I even love Jared Geisler. You know, his little his his assistant who is on the take for the mob. He's always getting the donuts. <laughs> He's great too. It's just all, I feel like everyone in the movie must have smelled really bad. Like they all smoke cigarettes and drink coffee, and they're all dirty they, and they're all sweaty. They got convincingly dirty and unshaven throughout the course of the film in a way yep. that I want to say script supervisor, continuity supervisor, yep. whoever did a great job with that because by the end they're both dirty but not like you know like movie dirty they just look like they've been rolling in dust <laughs> right well yeah in Arizona yeah yeah yeah, yeah. De Niro's basically his, sh- his brown shirt's almost black but like his, his face is dirty Let's uh, let's also not we, when we're talking about stuff all the time. You know, it's it's hard not to notice. Like every stunt in it is a practical effect. Yeah. So you know, people hanging out of a plane that happened. You know, a helicopter swirling around and then a very bad cut as it explodes. But um, <laughs> you know, all the car chase, the old classic, you know, Blues Brothers car chase, but this time through the desert. You know, and that yep. car really was bouncing all over the place <laughs> like that, yeah. and it's it's incredibly impressive in that like you know the staging that that stuff required that we don't even like if somebody does that now it's like look what christopher nolan's done and it was every movie back then get a shitload of cars and let's wreck them you know (laughs) and and you know all those big old rear wheel drive cars just sliding all over the place It's, it's super fun to watch like like you know there are certain things about movies from the past you know before there was cgi or before anything where you know it doesn't look as real but it's it's you know they had to really do a thing yeah but it also looks more real. So that was Midnight Run. Ron, does it change your opinion on Charles Grodin at all, overall? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Connor, um, can I ask you, do you have a good Charles Grodin recommendation? This is his best work. I mean, like, his, his, he's done a lot of other stuff, but this is his best work. So this is my own personal Charles Grodin IMDb. So there's the, the great Muppet caper. I remember he was the husband in The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Right, with Lily Tomlin? Wasn't he her husband in that? I think that's right. I vaguely remember that. And then he was in that awful movie with Martin Short, Clifford. Clifford the Big Red Dog. No, it wasn't the Big Red Dog, but when... when, when oh, uh, Clifford yes, he, the, the... Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. he's great in Dave. Dave, that's the Kevin Klein president movie? Yes, he's yep. the accountant. Yeah. He plays accountants. Yeah. Uh, I forgot he was in So I Married an Axe Murderer, briefly. A lot of uh, cameos. He's, he's, you know, he's basically yeah. retired. He's pretty old. He was, he was in Ishtar. Well, he was a, he was a he was a legendary talk show host. Yeah, the, C, the, the CNBC show, right? And for a while, he was doing the Andy Rooney bit on sixty Minutes too. He would close out with some sort of observational situation. And, he's, uh, he's, he's in his eighties now. He's got to be. He's yeah. eighty. He was born in thirty eight. So yeah, he's he's eighty. Thirty five. He was born in nineteen thirty five. Yeah, yeah. But he was like he was the late late show guy for a while, wasn't he? Or my no, that's it? that's you're thinking of Tom uh, Snyder. Tom Snyder. Yeah. Okay, right. No, he did. He did. He did. He did. A, he had. A, he was one of the first like actor celebrity talk shows on cable. Like he was on CNBC. Like when we were in high school. Yeah. I remember that in the nineties. But before uh, before that, he had a show that before cable. And I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, he I, was on Louie. I forgot he was on Louie. He was I, the doctor. I do want to end oh, yeah. by saying that the most Goodfellas thing in the film was Jack's sunglasses. <laughs> yes, they, they were yeah. like, they were yeah. very. Very Italian East Coast. At some point, De Niro was at a payphone and he slammed the phone down. <laughs> and then another point, yes. he went to like 
he like saw the FBI agents or the whatever, like, and he sort of like beckoned them to come. I was like, "Come on, McFuckos, we're going for a ride." And I was like, "He's just he's yep. got this move." <laughs> All right, well, there's Midnight Run. I loved it. Interesting. Charles Grodin, he did he did Clifford in 1994, and then he did not act again until 2006, and that was when he was doing the talk show in between there. Yeah. Fascinating. So, yeah. So that's Midnight Run. I yeah. loved it. Josh loves it. Ron oh, liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. And we don't know what we'll do next time. These things just sort of happen. But we'll yeah, it, 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 it just it, it just kind of comes out naturally. So stay tuned, and you'll find out what the next film that we go to. Maybe it'll be The Great Muppet Caper, and we'll finally hear what Josh thinks about the Muppet movie sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Have you ever seen The Great Muppet Caper? Forever. John Cleese, is, John Cleese is in it. John Cleese is in a lot of movies that are not good. <laughs> it's possible. He had a very we should do a, we should, Oh, we should do A Fish Called Wanda. I, think I love that to. movie. I think we have to get closer to now or further back. I think we have to do. I think we have to get out of the 1988 to 92 era. We can only do movies in 1988. That's what well, we should do. Is we should do Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. We should do a no whole podcast gonna, about that. No one's going to listen to that. Uh, All right, so that let's wrap it up. A Fish Called Wanda did come out in 1988. We should just go through the box office for 1988 and just do all 1988 films. You should let Connor finish box this show because he keeps trying and you won't let him. Well, real quickly, what do you think was the number one film in the box office in 1988? The Golden Child. Guess the movie and the and the and the and the and the box office gross. Don't look it up, Connor. I can I'm not going to. I'm not going to look it up. But can you give us a hint, like an actor? Yeah, I'm having a. I'm uh, Bob Hoskins. He'll give it away. Oh, uh, uh, Roger Rabbit. Frame Roger Rabbit. Yep. Yep, 156 million. So the top 10 1988 box office was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Okay. Coming to Coming to America. Yep, great film. Good Morning Vietnam. Good year. This is a good year. Big. Great year. Crocodile Dundee 2. That's a knife. Three Men and a Baby. All right, Tom Selleck. The number seven movie of the whole year, Die Hard. Wow. The number eight movie of the year, Oscar winning Moonstruck. That's this is crazy, the, by the way. The number, the number nine movie was Cocktail, classic, Ugh. and number ten movie was Beetlejuice. This is a great year. And number eleven was A Fish Called Wanda. This is a great year for movies. It really is. It's, it's weird though because Die Hard, Connor, out of all those movies you just talked about, is probably the one the most perennial of them. And it, this is mean, crazy. So number fourteen, number fourteen in the box office was Scrooged. Wow. Right. Number nineteen, Young Guns. This is a terrific year. Number 21, The Naked Gun. Wow. Then number 26, Midnight Run. That's crazy. It's a great year for film. Yeah. Rain Man, The Accused, Throw Mama from the Train. I saw a lot of these movies. It just keeps going. Oh, my gosh. Short Circuit 2, Punchline. Man was like... Tucker, Tucker, The Man in His Dream. Jeff Bridges. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I saw that twice in the theaters on the same day. Overboard, a movie I saw on endlessly I just watched that. on it was HBO. It's <laughs> a great movie. Literally just on TV. Roy, there's only two people invested in this conversation right now, and they're on the show. <laughs> Wait, I'm, 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 last one, one, last one, <laughs> last one. The number seventy-four movie of the box office in 1988 was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Seventy-four? That's the 74th. best movie on that list. No, it's not. It made fourteen million. It made Ooh, fourteen it million in the in Take the gross. Your fucking uh, yeah. list and go right back <laughs> no. to your fucking website <laughs> right fucking now. <laughs> right. So on that note, thanks for listening to Media Explode. Uh, we'll be back in a month 
who knows what we'll be talking about then, but we'll find something. In the meantime, you can listen to our weekly Pick of the Week show, which Josh and I talk about the week's comics. We have our bi-monthly Talksplode, where Josh interviews the creator, our bi-monthly Booksplode, where we talk about a trade paperback or a collected edition of a comic book. And yeah, that's it. That's, that, that, that'll that'll do. that's it. That'll do. Until next month. That'll do, Connor. I am Agent Alonzo Mosley. I'm Agent <laughs> Alonzo Mosley. I'm not Agent Alonzo Mosley. That's not how that goes. Everyone give it up for America's favorite fighting French man! I'm taking this horse by the reins, making red coats, weather with blood stains. And I'm never gonna stop until I make a drop of burn them up and scatter the remains. I'm Watch me engaging them, escaping them, and raging them out. I go to France for more fun. I come back with more guns. And ships, and so their balance shifts. We rendezvous with Rochambeau, consolidate their gifts. We can end this war in Yorktown, cut them off at sea, but for this to succeed, there's someone else we need. I know.